Hello, I'm Max Temkin. I'm one of the co-creators of Cards Against Humanity. I'm Patrick Public, the news editor at Giant Bomb. Uh, and this is episode one of the Lost Rewatch podcast. This episode is sponsored by MailChimp. MailChimp is the best mailing list software in the world. It's used by over 6 million people and companies, including Cards Against Humanity. Our thanks to MailChimp for sponsoring this episode. Uh, Patrick, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> I wanted a reason to rewatch Lost. Yeah. I think we've kind of gotten each other excited about Lost uh, since we've been uh, working in the office together. Yeah, like Lost is a show that means a lot to me. Like It was the, the first show since probably The X-Files that I got just completely obsessed with, and it also coincided with the internet getting obsessed with things collectively, and so you got to participate in Lost in a way that you didn't get to participate in, in shows in the past, and I love Lost, like warts and all. It has all sorts of problems that will not come up in watching season one of the show, but because <laughs> like, it's mostly just consistently excellent in, in season one of Lost, but it's just, there's so much about it because it's, the characters are great. Like the mythology is super interesting, and especially in season one, like it's just it has everything for everyone, which is why it was like such a weird hit that should not have existed, and yet it totally did. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think for Lost for me it was one of the first sort of things I was able to appreciate as a nerd. So like I was able to really take a deep dive into the show and all of the secrets and the mythology. But it also had that like wide popular appeal. So it was this thing that people were talking about online, and I could meet people in real life who also shared my love of it. Um, so I guess uh, to, just to set up the podcast, so the idea we have is uh, we're going to watch uh, one episode of Lost uh, every week, and then we're going to have a podcast that's going to come out on uh, Mondays, and we'll talk about it. Uh, and we'll talk about it with, uh, with you guys, the audience. Um, so we'll, we'll take uh, Q&A, and we'll, we'll talk about the episodes, uh, the things that you're curious about. Um, and uh, we'll try and have um, some guests on with us every week, and we'll do that uh, until we watch the whole first season. Um, so should we, should we introduce our guests for uh, Yeah, there's, a, like other people in, there's other people in this room, I know, it's from kind what of, I'm told. It's kind of awkward. Uh, so uh, to watch uh, a pilot, uh, part one and two, we've got our friends uh, Brent and Jana. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Um, do you guys uh, – well, well, we should probably start by saying maybe why we invited you. So – Brent was uh, one of the first people I met who is not a nerd. Uh, who it's true. Brent, Brent's like a, like a cool guy. <laughs> is that still true? To this day, I remain cool and not a nerd. <laughs> it's true. Brent is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a tr- is an actual cool guy, and he's a huge Lost fan. Brent has a, a uh, Dharma Initiative uh, tattoo on his arm. Swan Station represent. And uh, Jana is uh, another really good friend of mine. I would say Jana is kind of a nerd about some things, but Jana has never seen Lost. Yeah, somehow I was like under a rock for this whole cultural phenomenon, and I really know nothing about the show at all. Like what, I've been. What do you? If someone said, "What's Lost?" Okay, so the things I know about Lost are this: that it's people on an island, and that there's a smoke monster. Nailed it. That's all I know. Spoilers. What else? Wow. You've not picked up any other things from the some sort of pop culture. Nothing's like seeped in. The noises that Brent makes, the... <laughs> that's lost, the right? The Giacchino-isms. I don't know what that means. I know there was an Asian guy on the show. Um, I saw Brent watching it the other night because we're roommates, and there was a woman in it and a man. Mm-hmm. There are both of Go on. <laughs> that's it. That's all I know about I the show. Think, see, I don't, think, I don't think you could really... Like, you can spoil Lost, but I don't think you can really spoil Lost. Like, there's not, like, 
a turnkey that suddenly makes. Well, it's a show that you know. I think it's a show that if you are seeing it for the first time, you it's sort of a thing that you you hope could be spoiled, but it turns out that it really can't be spoiled. No, like it, even, it's even not watching the entire like looking back on it. Like certainly there are beats of it that you're like, oh well, they explain this or they explain that, but there's nothing that's like there's no aha moment with, right with the series, which like is a whole its own divisive argument about what the series is there's and how no, it ended. Yeah, there's no one-liner that you can say to one person and then it's like ruined forever. So we're going to we're gonna break in a minute. We're actually going to watch the pilot and then come back and talk about it. Um, before we break, uh, we should just I think we should talk about a spoiler policy for the podcast. Um, and then uh, I kind of put together a little history of Lost that I thought might be interesting. Yeah, there's – like the development of the show is – Michael Keaton was supposed to be in it. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, so, spoiler policy. I think um, I think we're going to talk about spoilers, but we'll try and do it in a way where it preserves your. If you're watching Lost for the first time with us, like we, me, like Jana, we will preserve your fun. We will take care not to ruin like the big crazy twists in the show, but we're not. We're also not going to be really crazy sensitive about spoilers. Um, but like, I, for example, like the thing that happens at the end of season three, like. We're not going to – like that's that's like yeah. crucial to the enjoyment of the show. Yeah. Like that's not something we're going to talk about. But, you know, obviously when you talk about your emotions of the show, like some little things might seep out. But like major things will like go out of our way to not not spoil. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Patrick, do you – so I kind of um, – so I have a uh, – one of my favorite books about television is uh, this book called The Revolution Was Televised by Alan Sepinwall. Yeah. Who's the – Terrific the... TV writer, critic. Like he writes all the stuff on Hit Fix. It's, yeah. Fantastic site, and like his him and Drew McWeeny, who's also uh, an ex writer from I think Ain't It Cool News, do a ton of really good stuff. But yeah, his book is fantastic. Um, so he has a whole chapter in the book about Lost, and I just kind of gave that a read last night, and I, I pulled sort of the Cliff's notes. Um, so I thought that might be fun to go through. Um, so Lost was created by the the at the time the chairman of ABC, this guy named Lloyd Braun. You might recognize his name because in Seinfeld, when they go to make the show about nothing, Lloyd Braun is one of the characters in Seinfeld who's based on the real Lloyd Braun, who's sitting in the meeting with George <laughs> and Jerry. Um, so he was – this guy Lloyd Braun was on vacation, and he saw Castaway, the movie with uh, Tom Hanks where he talks to the, 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 the volleyball. And he kind of came up with this idea of a, of a show. Uh, he even came up with a title called Lost, and it was basically about this plane crash where there were these survivors, and they were on an island – um, and so like Lord, Lord of the Flies was like a yeah it was it was just it was just what would it was like, it was what, like, what if you took Castaway and added like you need to tell the show with more than one character <laughs> exactly and it was like a sort of a what would happen thing um, so he pitched this um, at ABC for years and I it was not uh, no one was no one was going for it and eventually he brought in JJ uh, Abrams um, to sort of fix the show and they started working on it and together they realized that their big breakthrough is they realized that the audience would never want to watch a show about Castaways on an island because you just be rooting for them to get off the island the whole time like you'd never you you know it would, it would totally undercut the drama of the show so they came up with the idea uh, that every episode would show backstories from the characters and that that would sort of sate the audience's appetite for for off island stories um and it worked it was totally successful because like one of the things about watching lost is like you you just whenever they're showing a backstory you just cannot wait for them to get back to the island like the island is where the action is at it's like the best scenes and the most exciting stuff um for me after what uh, anyway um there's there's weird stuff about the development too like the original writer who was tasked by braun was this guy named uh, jeffrey lieber and he worked for the spelling company who is you know like responsible for a lot of like you know like 90210 and merrill's place like the spelling company was acquired into ABC and they're just like a name but they're just an in-unit thing but like Jeffrey Lieber is from Evanston, Illinois 
So really? he wrote the original draft. Oh, we we got to we got to get that guy on the show. <laughs> I, we I, I kind of have to track him down. I don't want to say he hasn't done a whole lot since then, but kind of hasn't done a whole lot since then. And he actually like reading up on it, he has a co-credit on the pilot because he came up with an original version of the show and as a result of a writers guild dispute, he shares credit as creating the show despite the fact that his original pitch for the show shares like no resemblance to the show that was created by Abrams and Lindelof. But yeah, he like went to U of I, like in Urbana Champaign. Like he is a, a local to, to this area. Yeah. Discovered that as I was prepping for this this show, going like the same response, like he's he's got to be around. Oh, like is, I got to track this guy down. This is amazing. Um, so just to bring us up to the pilot. Um, so basically, ABC uh, had a, a really rough uh, pickup season, and they needed a show. And Lost got greenlit, and I think it was only three months that they went from greenlighting the show based on um, Abrams and Lindelof's script to shooting the pilot. So the, they greenlit the script in January, and I think they um, they shot in March, which is basically unheard of in television. I mean, these things go through six months or a year of development before they, they get filmed. So it was an incredibly accelerated schedule. And because everyone had already been cast for pickups and pilots that year, they had to use a cast of kind of unknown characters. So there's not really any household name actors in Lost. Um, and I think that really works the show's advantage. Like, you, you don't come in with a lot of baggage about what the actors are. Um, the other thing about the pilot is it cost almost $14 million to make. Um, it was the most expensive pilot ever uh, up until that point. It might still be the most expensive pilot. Certainly up there. It's, and like, yeah. <laughs> like, crazy, like Lloyd Broad, the guy who was who greenlit this, was fired before, yep. <laughs> before well, he was fired. Even be, he was fired for greenlighting Lost because yeah. the pilot was so expensive. That yeah. was the reason that the network got rid of him. And everyone just assumed this thing was going to be an expensive disaster, but it really took off. It, it From the pilot, uh, it really captured everyone's imagination. And J.J. Um, uh, Abrams and uh, David Lindelof. Um, Damon. Damon Lindelof, geez. Uh, uh, they kind of gave a, a little nod to Lloyd Braun by having him um, do the uh, previously unlost voice at the beginning of every episode. Which, which is weird because for years I thought it was Carlton Cuse who is came on through uh, uh, mid-season one when Abrams went on to go work on Star Trek and had other stuff he was doing. It sounds just like Carlton Cuse's voice, who then became a co-showrunner with Damon Lindelof, but it actually is is Braun. And yeah, it's it, it, the production of that show is is so weird. The fact that like it, it was like aired to like such acclaim and like was actually a, like a critical and commercial hit at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I, I remember reading a, an interview with Lindelof, and he was saying, um, you know, he agreed to kind of make this show thinking that it would be like Firefly. Like he was making this, he was basically making They wanted this... it to be like a complete commercial failure yep. so they could make exactly what they wanted, get in and out, pull the ripcord in one season. And like, reading about it, uh, even though ABC pulled in J.J. Abrams, they were very nervous about Alias because part of what Alias's problems were was that the serialized mythology kind of fell apart by the end. And that, like, fans weren't super happy. ABC wasn't super happy. So their, like, pitch was like, hey, you can make it weird, but you're not allowed to make, like, a – you can't be too – it can't be dependent on you watching every episode. So, like, there's a Bible for Lost that leaked, like, six months ago that is the original Bible pitch for uh, Lost as, like, a four or five uh, season uh, thing. And in it, they're like, nope, it'll be just fine. You'll never have to, like – you can just pick up eight episodes in and you'll just – season two, whatever. You can just watch the show. And they were essentially just lying to ABC, hoping they could get away with making the show they wanted to make, which was like a Babylon 5-inspired, like, weird epic. 
uh-huh. uh, and then suddenly when it happened, they actually got to get away with that because the, the the amount of people watching was so much that ABC didn't care that they had essentially lied to their faces about the show they were making. Um, all right, well, we'll put all this stuff. Uh, the Revolution was televised by Alan Septimwall and um, uh, another great uh, interview with Damon Lindelof and the original Lost Show Bible in our show notes, which are available at uh, rewatchpodcast.com. Uh, and we're going to take a break and go watch a pilot part one and two. Jana, what do you, what do you expect uh, to see in the pilot? Men, uh, women. Men, women. Maybe there's, they're on an airplane and there's a crash. Like, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, that's why I'm so stoked to be here is that I have no idea and I really get to go in blank slate. Well, you couldn't have gotten it more wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually an office procedural. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like Law and Order. Brian Cranston enters the scene. <laughs> no, right. We should just I'm watch bad. Breaking Bad instead and then just... And then just continue as if we had watched Lost <laughs> and then review that. <laughs> it's a I real like the parts where Chance blew away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, what did you think? Man, so for like the first part, it was so intense. I like was trying really hard not to like cry because like I cry at stupid things like parades and anything where there's like loud stuff. Um, the whole plane crash was really scary and like intense and I don't know what to think. Why don't you guys ask me specific questions? Well, who did you you had you had pretty strong reactions? Oh, yeah, yeah like we should characters. just go down the characters that have been the revealed so I... far because you had very strong reactions as we were going through. You were compiling a list of characters you wanted to burn in a fire. Yeah. Um, Flame names. The Bond girl. <laughs> I want her to burn. The Asian man who was very mean and controlling to the female he was with. They don't say his name yet. Right. The Korean man, I should say. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Keeping us racially on track. Brent is very much a stickler. We could use less racist (laughs) podcasts. I think Asian is general and not racist, Brent. You did good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm one step above everybody else for knowing what Korean sounds like. What about about, about Yeah, unprompted knew Mm -hmm. it was Korean. That's actually, that's legitimately impressive. Um... The guy with no eyelids, with the long <laughs> hair and the eyebrows. All right, Doc. Who's complaining all the time and just being generally uh, combative. He, he did write a poem, though. He wrote a poem, and he sat on a really cool piece of rubble and <laughs> thought... Half, half circle rubble. And thought about his Very poem. iconic. His sadness cradle. <laughs> <laughs> Sadness, sadness, You're giving away mythology secrets way in advance, Brent. Uh, who else that circle I... is extremely well, important so later you, in season four. What, what do you? So, I mean, so you've seen the first two hours of Lost. I mean, what do you think this show is about from the pilot? Well, I mean, also just from listening to you guys talk, big mistake was uh, just learning that there's <laughs> just gonna generally be, speaking, there's going to be this backstory thing. Um. I guess the thing I'm most concerned about is that I just know I'm probably going to have nightmares because there's a lot of those like really big things that are scary and like the things that like like the the repeating message from somebody 16 years ago or whatever like that's terrifying and then that thing um, 
in combination with this like mysterious monster in combination with the polar bear and i'm still concerned about the dog um good vincent they didn't mention his I mean, I, i'll say that i haven't seen the pilot in in years um and that was the thing that really struck me about it there were actually a lot of pretty scary moments about it's the pilot scary. yeah and i kind of forgot that like the general tone of the show it's, it's a lot more of an adventure and and more of a thriller and like but they but they, they dip between as... genres in a way that always keeps the show really exciting like the, sh- the show is simultaneously really funny like really dramatic also like romantic like that's part of what i think makes the show really exciting is that you get a little bit of all of that in the pilot like it doesn't switch it doesn't switch as hard when you get ep- episode beat to beat, but the pilot gives you a little bit like, hey, these are all the flavors this that the show is capable happen. of, and then we're going to explore those a lot deeper as the show goes on. I guess it has the things that are scary when I say scary is like it has the um, the like very human scary things like getting in a plane crash and being on an island and not knowing what the fuck to do. And then there's like the you guys keep saying the mythology scary part where there's all these bigger mysterious things and that's scary, and like that's like the nightmare fodder. I'm not gonna have a nightmare about crashing in a plane. Like it's just like the scary things. Like I'll like look under my bed or something. <laughs> like it's those sort of things where what, I don't what know. Were your, what were your favorite parts? Like if you if you're gonna watch the the season the first season with us, what are the parts that you're most excited to see more of, or like the characters you want to learn more about? Um, I'm being, I'm really interested on the island that they're on and like the natural aspects of that. Like I always like watching that in TV shows just as like a nerd aside. Um, I think just the general character development, um, just watching each of these individuals unfold and who teams up with who and how things break down or improve with the Korean couple and then the dog situation and then like <laughs> Jack and Kate and that situation and the, the heroin problems and just all those things that start out and you just wonder how they're going to go. Like it was a really good pilot in that regard is that they set up a lot of things to happen between people. There's yeah. so much that happens in that pilot. Like that's the thing that I am constantly but impressed by. it's not overwhelming. By. No, like, like it's not overwhelming But, but when you all. start breaking down, and especially like – as you realize, as the especially the first season when you get really introduced to each character, like the, the the plot threads that they lay down that they don't even acknowledge in the pilot, but are clearly there. Yeah, it's incredible. Like just t- like little scenes with you know the the Korean couple that don't communicate anything to you now, but will have like huge ramifications later on. Yeah. They do so much with every single moment over the course of. Well, two hours if you're watching it as a TV show, but 90 minutes for us. That's like, let's remember that it is, like, the pilot is two hours. Yeah. Like, if we really want to break it down to the fact, like, in in the way we just watched it on Netflix, there's a part one and a part two. And the part one, they do a lot to build off drama, suspense, action, a little bit of romance. Um, but the other aspects as far as, like, really getting into how these relationships are going to start out, and even, like, the island's mysticism. That starts really coming in in the second part of the pilot. Um, sure, like on the first night, they see like scary crackling the woods, or I guess like inland with palm trees falling down and everything like that. I remember, God, so how old would I have been when this pilot came out? Because I remember watching it live. So it's 16, 2003, 17? right? Yeah, so we were wow, in what a baby. Brent, we were we were sophomore or er, junior. No, yep, juniors in high school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. like. 
working around like this 15, 16 mindset, I thought it was like. How old man, are you guys right now? 27. Okay, I'm 29. I was like, man, there's like a dinosaur on this island. Mm. Is really what I thought. That was that was gen- I, they they go for the T Rex mm-hmm. feeling like yeah. because, like the, the the way with like the, the bass drum yeah the, the, the and the trees are bending like you mm-hmm. get the it's sense even, like it's like when when Charlie says the... uh, you know gigantic like you really do get the sense like this thing can like just topple these trees but then they also they show you what like appears to be like direct shots but you don't see anything. And so does it, is, do have we as the audience not seen it, but have they on the TV show also not seen it? Nobody's seen it? Nobody's, no nobody's seen it, yeah. It okay. Yeah. Or at least like the characters have not revealed like what they've seen. Like that, And that's certainly a reoccurring theme throughout the show is like people see things and then like don't tell other characters. So like that's like a dynamic that plays out Ooh. a lot. Yeah, it's, an, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting that one of the things that Lost is about is the way that, like, not clearly communicating, like, gets you into all this trouble and, like, like being misleading and not giving all of the information, like, leads to all of these problems down the line. Like, that is so clearly a theme in the show from this pilot, and it's a message that clearly was not internalized by the writers because they would sort of play this shell game, like, over the years with the audience where they're just going to keep being like, well, we'll just show you another mystery, another mystery, another mystery to keep you watching week to week. Um, and, and then they start with the questions right away. Yeah. Oh, well, so like really broad questions, though. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously ones that they drill well, down Charlie on. Charlie asked the biggest question. Yeah. Where <laughs> where I lo- that line is like so fantastic. But it was like stupid delivered from him. He's kind of just been like this shitty kid like the whole time. And yeah, just he's disappointed got... that he was the one that said that. He does have that like inferiority complex thing going right away um, when trying to team up with all the other things that our newly minted hero Jack is up to. Hmm. And, and like, so we talked about this like very briefly at the like the opening, but so the Michael Keaton thing, so like giving like some background on the like the origins of the pilot, like Jack was supposed to be killed off in the pilot. Like that was the the premise. Oh, thank God originally. he wasn't. Because <laughs> how what would you have done without your doctor romantic? No, I need well, my Kate, hero. Kate was going to be the leader and Kate, and that group, was supposed yeah. to be the, the way they flipped the the oh, genre well, on its head. Kind of disappointed. Yeah. So they could have been the, a female lead. The, would have been awesome. Instead, they little just often, did a full body underwear shot of her. Yeah, cool, a, great, rad. A, a, great Abrams job. has a little bit of a. He kind of did that in Star Trek Into Darkness too, <laughs> so he has some problems with that. But. Uh, <laughs> They were going to kill off Jack, and then Kate was going to be the main character. And the reason they were going to be able to kill off Jack was because they were going to cast Michael Keaton. And then you'd be like, "Well, geez, they're not going to, they're not going to kill uh-huh, Michael Keaton." Twist. But then they do because obviously he's not going to commit to a TV show. Because you have to imagine, remember that in two thousand three, like TV was not prestige. Like Lost was part of yeah. this movement yeah. to TV being prestige. So Michael Keaton committing to this was like, "Wow, like that's crazy." He's going to do a TV show, and so like it is like. I love the show as it plays out, and you know Jack's a fine character. But like, imagine the alternate scenario of Lost, where like Kate is the main character, and like Michael Keaton is killed off. Like, is a really neat sort of dramatic conceit. And that also, they just ended up imagine the shows and like the cultural influence of that. How remarkable that could in two thousand three. That yeah, no, that would change. That would the be whole huge game. now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but having it happen then, and then seeing like the ramification, like just how it all played out, and then like. The shows that came after that, I think that could have been really cool. So, like, blown opportunity, but whatever. I don't know if it was a blown opportunity. Wasn't 
Did Michael Keaton like play Batman or something? <laughs> this was but this was long after that. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> he did okay no, what, for himself. No, what I'm getting at when was is multiplicity. Like, if this if this pilot had came on and I was like, oh, there's that one Batman from like the weird like late uh, the weird '90s era Batman movies. It's like, well, I'm. And then there's like crazy stuff happening on an island. Do you think you would have taken it less seriously? Oh yeah, I yeah. Think that I, th- I think it's like far to... more negative connotation. Oh, about yeah, I think Max's point about it being a cast of unknowns. Like, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, uh, who's uh, Jack's? What's his actor's name? What's uh, oh Matthew uh, Fox? Yeah. yeah, I mean he was on Party of Five, I guess. So like he was known as like in some circles as sort of like a heartthrob. But like by and large, these are like a cast of unknowns. Kate came before Lost. Uh, she was on G Four Canada. Oh yeah, that, like, she, that's, was, she was like unknown. Yeah, she, like that's all she had done was oh, like yeah, my favorite so, show. She literally wore shirts that said like "I love nerds" and like held up like cell phones and then auditioned for this and then was on Lost. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting too. Like, I feel like it's a big. It, it was one of the things that always drove me nuts about Lost. Where like I never cared about the main characters. Like the show is always so much better with like the sort of ancillary characters. Like um, all of the background characters in this episode are so much more interesting. Like, for me, I think the pilot is the most interesting that Jack and Kate and Sawyer and all of them were, will ever be. Like, I'll never care about them as much as I do in this one episode. And yet, like, the the weird the weirdness of the show is that that's also what drew in a large audience, right? Like, Jack and Kate and the places that that relationship goes and gets, like, lar- you know, really hinted at early on in, in the pilot – like, that's what hooked a large audience that allowed them to create a big-budget weird show. Like, big-budget right, weird shows don't exist. That, like, that relationship between Jack and Kate, that's, like, pretty archetypal for it's TV totally, shows. And yeah. that's what attracts people is that there's that. But the ancillary characters and the ancillary relationships are the ones that keep the weirdos around thinking, like, ugh, I want to get to know them, you know? I kind of know what happens. Yeah. And, and that the island is a character. Like, that's, like, still unique to mm-hmm. Lost is, like, <laughs> ascribing, like, this mysterious quality to the geography of the show. Like, you are immediately intrigued by, like, like you know, even the fact that just Charlie says it, like, regardless of that. Like, the fact that, like, it's like, like where are, like, this is, this place is weird. There's weird things about it. And they don't give you, any, you know, like, you have kind of a sense that there's weirdness, but, like, you couldn't give any sort of summation of what that weirdness even possibly no, means. No, all there's nothing connecting anything at this point between the the big monster or whatever, and then the polar bear, and then the other the French woman call. that's been had a, a message going for sixteen. I can't years. even think of what could connect <laughs> that, and Jana, that's what cool. Did you, what did you make of like the rain starting and stopping suddenly? I mean, that just felt like island monsoon typical conditions, I guess. So I, I know less about nature, but I remember when I first saw the pilot, I was like, that's key. I was like, that's, that's a big clue. Is it key? <laughs> no, okay. it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just the island. I know yeah. enough about it's nature. It's just the weather. This yeah. is the Lost Nature Podcast with Jana. Let me school you <laughs> on this. Do you see any cool trees? <laughs> uh, I'll have to go and check out which ones they are. I want to well, know a lot about of ban- named a lot of banyan trees. Right I named one plant right away. Like Jack didn't great. even make it to the <laughs> beach before you named a plant. <laughs> 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 was it right after the scene where the... the the dog uh, drags his anus over Jack's face. <laughs> Jack's eye opens. The dog, Vincent, runs in, tries to jump over Jack's face, smacks him right in the eye with the ding dong. <laughs> Exit our character, Jana identifies plant. Um, what were uh, what were some of your favorite moments from the pilot? Um, and uh, especially like Brent and Patrick, because you guys have, have already seen it. Like, what were there things that you had yeah. forgotten that that like stuck out that you really liked? 
Hmm. Well, there was the, the the weird thing. It's not like a major moment, but this is like stuff that you notice after you've, you know, I've probably seen the pilot a dozen times because when Lost came out and I got into it, like, especially in season two when a lot of things kick into gear, like I went back and was like, hey, you all really need to fucking watch this show. So I've seen this pilot a million times, but I never noticed the line where right after they have the first encounter with the, the creature uh, is when they, they reference like, oh, that's that then you know that sound really familiar it's like oh yeah it sounded like just like something from the bronx which mm-hmm. is you know the n- primary noise of the creature is based off like the ticker tape out of a cab in new york and they make an idle reference to that which must have happened in post <laughs> after they put it together and then decided to give like a yeah. tip of the hat to the sound designers because you can notice that the the characters are blurred when they uh, actually have that line said so it doesn't it doesn't matter that Rose isn't featured. She can right. still make that line. And that's just a really neat thing that just watching it, you wouldn't notice it. But then, like, once you've obsessed, like I have, over, like, the production and how that stuff is created, it's like, oh, wait. They made, they made a reference to their production design. That's like I've found that in so neat. many shows that I love. I love that. Brent, anything stick out for you? So this is the hard part um, where – and as other people have watched – who have gone back and watched Lost know – um, everything ends up like, oh man, if you were to do that thing like in crime movies where the red string connects everything, <laughs> this show would be miserable to do that way. I'm already seeing things. Just think about how Abed would deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, so there's already situations, and it's hard to really talk about them without giving stuff away, where certain characters are interacting with items that will come back to light later on. Ooh. Well, what are some of the the big the big examples? You can, um, you can hint uh, at it. Yeah. yeah okay. Is so this... I think I think I can give. Uh, although he has yet to be identified by name, uh, the redneck character with the gun uh, so far in the pilot, um, when he's sitting in his sadness cradle and <laughs> holding a piece of paper that's a poem that we're thinking they're making fun of him for having a poem right now, and when that comes back in later. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think that just speaks to like all of this stuff that you know, lost the show that like as it went on was uh constantly criticized for oh well they're just making up it as they go along. Mm-hmm. And A, I think that the criticism is ridiculous because that's just storytelling. Like right. it's just a matter of how it ends up. Everything is made up as it goes along. That's how you write a story. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, you look at stuff like that and the way they paid off certain storylines and the way they embedded storylines so early, like the way that thing pays off is mm-hmm. enormously satisfying. Yeah, so I, I I really disagree. I think in this pilot, you are seeing a lot of they've planned it out. Like, they're not making it up as they've gone along. They know what they're doing. They've set put the seeds in the show. The problem is they thought, you know, Damon Lindelof has said um, in, in the interview he did about his uh, his new show, he was talking about... Yeah, The Leftovers, and um, um, You sent me this interview, uh, and he was saying... You know, oh, we all thought we were making a show that would get canceled after a dozen episodes, and it would be like a box set, like Firefly, that nerds would pass on to each other. Mm-hmm. So that's how much they planned. Yeah. And that's and a lot of the stuff that you're thinking about, I mean, later they do more with it, but like you really you do find out a lot of those questions in the first few episodes. But and then you... as soon as they're as soon as they're out of that, there's like there's like nothing. Like they just have no answers. And so they keep st- I I mean, the, like I I think that's a totally valid criticism of the show. They keep promising you satisfaction of like, oh, just keep watching a few more episodes and you'll be satisfied. And you never are because they never they 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 ultimately 
they're promising more than they can deliver, right? That's yeah. a pro- that's a problem of of just managing the expectations of the viewer. But that's also in, like a, an inherent in network television, right? Like also remembering that that if you you have to look at Lost in the same vacuum that like X Files was created, right? Like so, Lindelof and and Cuse and Abrams often talk about X Files as being like a, a huge inspiration for them, especially halfway through Lost when they negotiated an end date seasons ahead of the show ending because they at least knew where it was ending. Do you, know when, do you know when they negotiated that, by the way? This yeah. is a great detail. Yeah, we, we can get into that later, but like the it's right in the middle of season three and you can tell because the quality just shoots Yeah, the, that first mini season of, yeah. of season three, you're like, what are they doing? Yeah, <laughs> and and whereas an, you watch X-Files, a show that went on forever and ever and they answered every question but then had to come up with new answers to the same questions. You know, Mulder's sister came in and out of that show a million times in really unsatisfying ways because, well, you have another season and people watch it for the mythology. So, like, these showrunners have to come up with new, quote-unquote, satisfying answers. And and that is part of the magic of season one of Lost is that even if you just watched the first season and if it ended there, like, it's it's lightning in a bottle. Like, it's magical. Like, it could have just ended there. And I think it would have been enormously satisfying in the the way that J.J. Abrams always talks about what's more fun is the puzzle box, not what's in the puzzle See, box. See, Max, I know that you're going to disagree with what he's saying here. But I think uh, as far as how audiences ended up playing out, whether ultimately they favored the show or came to dislike it, is really based off of what they found their entertainment values on. Now, I'm definitely part of the camp that found my entertainment in the questions. Not so much in, like, getting any answers to them. Um, and I think, like, the the need for resolution or finding out things like that is really built into how we watch TV shows. Like, case in point, with X-Files. Yeah. Holy crap. No, I, t- I completely agree. And I actually – I also agree with the, the statement that, like, I think season one of Lost is nearly perfect. Like, I think it is a perfect – season of television i think if they had ended at the at the climax of, of season one at that just great think of moment, the last shot and yeah. it's like if it just ended there certainly you would have been I, frustrated i would have been but I oh been, my god you would have been tearing your hair out yeah. in it's one of those I questions so that if satisfied. it wasn't answered you would have had so much fun talking yeah. about it for and years i was and I, would, I mean i remember when they did the the season one cliffhanger at the end people were furious because they thought that they, you know they were teasing that the whole season and they expected an answer at the end and i remember i was i went with it i was like no this is awesome like we get to want we get to think about it all summer mm-hmm. we get to wonder about it the problem was that i i think like they, they never built it just i, I feel, like, I feel like, like we may be getting too quickly off track with like yeah, our maybe. entire feeling of lost and uh, Maybe I just feel like I feel like they they built a foundation in starting from this episode in this pilot of these mysteries connected to these characters and yeah. their backstories, and it feels like this is a foundation. And what you want to see is even as they're asking questions and you're getting the character moments, like that you're rewarded as a viewer paying careful attention for like by them building up on this foundation to a great moment of of ending. And I never, I never thought you got that. I thought that it was like they, they kind of lost their way, and it wasn't so much like like building one brick at a time. It was just sort of like wandering around. But I don't know. But the pilot's really good. Pilot is amazing. <laughs> um, so a couple of things I, I kind of saw in the pilot that I, I thought was just like brilliant storytelling. Um, 
So one was that I love that they find the pilot of uh, the plane, um, and I love that that's also a pun on the title, like calling it pilot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that they find the pilot and then he dies right away. I think that was such a great, like, I, I mean, I remember the it's first like, Oh, here's a guy with answers. I mean, he could exactly. be, like, the leader, and he would be, like, the the one. But, but he, like, even in the time he was alive, he gave away, like, the entire situation. Like, by him just saying, like... You know, we turned around, the radio was out, they're never going to find us. Then That was a moment for me that I'm like, well, now we have that cleared up. Like, I don't have to mentally worry, like, are they going to come and get you or not? Like, and then I knew right away that by them having him say that crucial bit of information, like, that was his purpose in the pilot, was to say... No, nah, no, nah, we're screwed, you know? Yeah, and the other the other thing I love that, that's kind of related to that is, like, I think that it's such a legitimate concern about this show that you would watch the whole time, and you just can't wait for them to get off the island, right? You're just, like, right. you're just like waiting for them to escape. Right, away. And they, I, right, I totally. They set it up so that you know they're going to be on the island for a long time, and then they introduce all these great, like, character, like, like points of conflict, like... Charlie with the bag of heroin, right? Like, the minute you see that, you're like, that guy's screwed. Like, what's going to happen when he runs out of heroin? Yeah, uh, that's Claire being super pregnant, like, wow. You kind of want to see what happens with like, those. Oh, no. Like, like, being pregnant on this island is – that is going to be problematic. <laughs> yep. And, and even Jack um, uh, uh, operating on the air marshal um, – you know, you want to see how that ends. Like, they set up these things that make you as the viewer, you, you you know, I don't want to see Claire get rescued never baby. I want to see what happens. I want to play with that what if. So they introduced all these, like, time, these, like, ticking time bombs that yeah. make you want to stay on the island. Or, yeah, like, when you get the revelation about Kate, like, oh, like, this is why she was on the plane. Like, this is why she's been asking questions about this guy. Like, people are going to find that out eventually. And that's, you know, how the pilot, you know, basically closes with that piece of information. And you just know that's going to cause a huge amount of problems when you realize, oh, wait, there was a criminal. Well, just like, the on fact that he was having shrapnel literally pulled out of his body, but the first thing he said to Jack was, where is she? I'm like, aren't you more concerned about other things? So if he's like in this <laughs> dying state and he brings this up, then it's like, whoa, she must be something really dangerous or cool. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerously cool. Yeah. And there's both. a pilot doing what the show will end up doing quite a bit where uh, they give the backstory of Kate on the plane already in the handcuffs. So, you know, uh, that's okay. So this is a character that might have some sort of uh, problems with interacting with others on the island and that sort of thing. You don't know to what regard. So there's the nugget of information followed by more questions. You know, uh, he gets the shrapnel out. He's immediately asking, where is she? How dangerous might she be then? The pilot tells them that they're nowhere where it's supposed to be. Charlie then follows it up with the question of, where are we? Yeah. And they, and they also said, you know, even though the show never went down the alt route where, where Kate was the main character, they at least set her up as like, she's a much more complicated character than just a woman to be, you know, a romantic, a potential romantic interest for Jack or someone else. And, yeah. Like, well, and I think, yeah, there's some, you know, unfortunate shots, but like they set her up as like, look, like, She's she's seen some shit. Like she is she is more than you know ex, you know what she appears to be. And I think to add on to like what Max was explaining earlier about how this whole miscommunication, lack of communicating trend that you guys say is kind of throughout the whole show. Like this is kind of like I wonder you know just speculating like if if this is like Kate's opportunity to like not be that person that she was on the plane and prior to being on the plane. 
Like, she doesn't have to give that information away. Like, when they're like, you're the one in handcuffs to, like, that awful guy. Like, she didn't, like, I mean, she wouldn't say, like, no, no, that was me. Like, this is her chance to be something different. And I, I wonder if there's other characters that will try to also pursue that and, like, take different roles that they, you know, where they're trying to get away from something that they were or I don't know. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> that sounds... Like a you potentially really know. interesting yeah, storylines. Let's watch the show where that happens. What you? What did you think of uh, the the character Locke? The guy he had the orange peel in his mouth. Uh, I actually yet, know but... that name, and like from like people talking about Lost. Like I know the name Locke, but I don't know anything about him. But I think I've seen pictures. How do you feel about oranges in people's mouths <laughs> when you're looking? Well, at I think them. I've seen pictures of him where he like looks like this grizzled asshole. Or, like, just, like, a mean guy or something. Like, just thinking about it. <laughs> just, like, pictures of him on the street, like the actor, Terry O'Quinn. Just, no, like, just on going the island, around, like, he's always, like, it. he's always, like, sneering. And, like, now he's he's got, like, the scar scar, like, from the Lion King. Like, that's the evil man scar. Like, obviously, something bad's going to be occurring with that man. There is 300... Uh, forehead wrinkles and no nose. The stereotypical <laughs> evil man scar, you know. No, it's the evil man scar. Like, of course they give it to the bad guy. Like, they're not going to give it to the pregnant lady or Jack. Like, that's foretelling the scar. But, I mean, in general, I don't know what his deal is, except that he, like, named Jesus Christ by name, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Well, I mean, yeah, they were talking about does that? Uh, backgammon. Yeah, um, he did that. Maybe he was just pulling at things that, like, a like western child might understand as far as how old stuff is yeah maybe he just really loves how I old doubt that doubt is Anybody? that was a that was a scene by the way um i had so people were reposting that little like exchange when it got close to the finale of lost but that is a scene that is just like loaded with mm-hmm. with cool oh, goodness lost me. well even like even like when the show was on the air they were using that scene in later seasons too how, the to show, show like, was to show like to do show previews absolutely Oh, really? like as a setup of like, oh, yeah. hey, thematically, like, wow, he, here's a, a reference to, uh, oh, like it, previously on Lost, yeah, wow, cool. I mean, you know, yeah, it there are grand there are grand themes established in the pilot that yeah. are explored to like great nuance, but are laid out thematically uh, throughout that ninety minutes. Man, so Jana, like, they uh, the bald man with the scar, like now you know that his name is Locke. Yeah, uh, but so they haven't actually introduced him by name yet. Right. Do you feel like knowing his name right away kind of is giving you uh, influence over that character ahead of time? Well, there's certain connotations with somebody going by only their last name. That's I mean, a, more, that's more a because symbol you said of badassery. Like, culturally, now that the show has been you know off the air and it ran for six seasons, that you're at this point where, like, Locke's character, you said you've seen him before, you've seen, like, grizzled looks and everything. Now that you know that that character is by that name, does that change anything for you? No. Like, just the his name? Yeah. No. I mean, I'm not, no. I just, like, I just have the, like, just, like, the passing on the street, knowing something about a guy kind of idea about him. Like, yeah. knowing his name doesn't change. Likes the, oranges. Games. 
Well, I, I regret, uh, so I was at Patrick's the other day, and about half of the art in your apartment is just portraits of uh, Locke and, like, cool pieces of art about yeah, Locke. Yeah, ha- half no, of the real? art in my apartment is Locke related, and that is uh, called <laughs> down from having moved and, oh, like, goodness. thrown away. Wow. From it. And you didn't even see some of it. There is another one in our bathroom downstairs, but and I was like, we should probably throw this out, but <laughs> if we put it in the bathroom downstairs, then mostly Basically people won't notice it. it. Patrick, Patrick was also working on a lost jigsaw puzzle. Uh, three uh, and of four. I've fully completed two. Oh, so it's a set? But oh, yeah. I, so Vinny, Vinny was there with his kid, and I convinced Vinny's kid to eat one of the puzzle pieces <laughs> from your puzzle. Yeah, Vin, so Vinny Caravello, who's a uh, video producer on Giant Bomb, was staying over as he was passing through from San Francisco to New York, and he has a two-year-old son, Max, and... The other uh, way less responsible Max in the, the room adult, with us. quote unquote. Yeah, Max. definitely quote unquote. Told him to eat the puzzle piece, and then later on that evening, after responsible Max left, the two-year-old Max went and like tried to find a piece and shove it in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. As far as I know, it was not was but not consumed. Feel... But mostly, I was not worried. I am far less worried about that kid consuming the piece as much as I was terrified at the notion of being one piece. Missing. No, screw that kid's that. health and/or livelihood. Uh, he would have survived the puzzle piece, but oh, I don't yeah. know if I would have survived having to buy a whole another three or four set and then looking for that one goddamn piece in order to yep. finish it. Patrick, I'm really glad you didn't have to go through that. <sighs> I so, might still have to. I don't know. He might have eaten it. I don't. I'm not going to know till that puzzle's puzzle's done. <laughs> so perhaps the most intriguing spoiler that I've been uh, exposed to is Brent's Dharma tattoo. I'm, mm. Brent's got this like shit-eating grin on his face right now, but it's yeah. mm. that's a shitty grin. I can't wait for things. Can you talk? Can you talk about the tattoo a little bit? Oh yeah. Um, if so there's, if there's one thing we can all agree about, Lost, it's that stories about how people got their tattoos are <laughs> <laughs> riveting. Wow. wow. Um, deep, Brent's deep is cut. actually good. Deep cut. <laughs> Whole so, show dedicated to that episode. I don't care if we don't go past season one. We have to talk about that episode. This is where we're really going to get down the stuff here. So Brent uh, Nepper's lost tattoo on the inside of his left, his incredibly muscular left <laughs> arm. I will. Uh, I'll post. A, I'll post a picture of Brent's tattoo on the uh, show notes. And he will arm. be shirtless. Yeah. Yes. Um, so all right, this tattoo I actually got after the show was over. Um, that's normally the first question I get, is whether I got the tattoo while the show was still going when it was over. Um, but so the the cool thing about this tattoo, it's um, for those that have seen like a lot of Lost, it's the Swan Station logo. Um, this logo borrows for from uh, martial arts imagery, actually. And for those who haven't seen the show that see my tattoo out in public when I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt or something they immediately ask if I'm into martial arts. Hmm. That's normally the first question that I get that lets me know that this person has never seen Lost. For you want to be on a podcast. <laughs> for those that have seen Lost and they see my tattoo, they flip out. They get really excited about it. They want to talk to me. Um, and I love that I have this, like, basically a small billboard on me that says, hi, talk to me about Lost. <laughs> Um, well, it, it, the, the design is is great because like it's kind of like when you find like a cool t-shirt design that like functions as a nod to people that mm-hmm. get it, but that also is just 
cool looking. It just looks good. Yeah, yeah. like it, 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 it doesn't like sort of ostracize you. Uh, in, in you know, nothing, there's anything wrong with that. But it, that's kind of that's it's cool when you can kind of find something that functions both ways. I did go through a few different uh, thoughts about what the tattoo ultimately should be before deciding on the Swan Station. But you, uh, you had other Lost-related tattoos oh yeah. you thought about? Yeah. What were some of the other ones? Are there, spo- are there spoilers? I think we should get to that later. Okay. okay. All right. Um, keep that in mind. But so, I don't even know the answer to that one. I'm, I'm definitely curious. Yeah. So um, there, there is another aspect to like my Lost fandom in that I generally don't have like a lot of bad things to say about the show. And everyone's just like, dude, why would you get a TV show tattooed on you? That is incredibly stupid. Um, and, you know, like, sure, I guess tattoos, normally people who have good tattoos, there's like a meaning behind them and that sort of thing. I'm lucky that the logo is good looking. So regardless, <laughs> it just looks like a cool tattoo. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about this tattoo is that it's actually the first tattoo I ever got. Um, and to give a little bit of backstory about how I got into Lost, um, so I started watching it right away as a teenager in high school. Um, I did was you see the, the pilot like when yeah. it aired? Yeah. Wow. Did. did you, Max? Yeah, my dad got me into Lost. Jeez, so that's man. the thing. I was in the same boat. My dad and I started watching it together. This was also during the point in high school where I was this incredibly angsty teenager uh, and going through some stuff. And I actually stopped living at uh, my mom's place and started living at my dad's place. And that's when we started getting into Lost together. Now, I left home, like, right after high school and moved away from where I lived to, like, uh, another major city. Um, And though, like, I was kind of in this, like, early, I mean, like, end of teenage phase. Like, I've left the nest. I'm in my own little independent world. Like, I'm working a job. I've got rent and everything. I'm starting to become an adult. I didn't have a lot to talk to my family about at that time. But... Every week, I was still able to, like, get on the phone with my dad, and he and I would talk about what happened in the show. Um, I, like, didn't, like, ever have a TV, so I watched it online. We would talk, like, a couple of days afterwards. <laughs> uh, and normally, after the show had aired, I mean, normally that had given me, like, a chance to actually rewatch it, too. So we would really get into theories, like, even early on. I was going to um, ask, like, what drew, like, what parts of it, like, because sometimes you'd often talk to you know, folks that got into the show that were just into the characters, sure. like the, the island, the mythology, like uh, interesting, but all window yeah, what dressing. Was, like what you and your dad would really talk about. Oh, we were both really into the mythology. So part. you guys were like yeah. high end, like game, mm. like end game theories. Like this is how all it's going to play out. Yeah. That's, oh, that's awesome. Great. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what propelled me into like being involved, like an active participant on Lostpedia and that sort of thing. <sighs> really? Um, you, Brett Nepper? Oh, uh, I, I didn't, I spent a lot of time. I actually edit my name out of all of this. That way, no one thinks I'm less cool. I spent the 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 tail section. The Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember some of the other communities at the time. The the tail section was my big one. Um, So those were my only two: tail section and lost. I think there were like tail section. There was there was one other major well, like message board hub. The big one for me was was the something awful TVIV thread Mm -hmm. every week about lost. Um, I was I was reading it on. I don't even know if it was NeoGaf at the time. It might have just been. Gaff, the gaming age forums at the time, but I would, I would, during the commercial breaks, and this is like pre DVR at least, like for for what I had at the time, yeah. I would run upstairs, like refresh a thread on the computer, like people had screen caps up and were already like looking <laughs> oh, at man. like weird stuff that was mm-hmm. happening. Then I would hear like the noise come back, sprint. 
back downstairs <laughs> so I could watch the show and yeah. just do that back and forth while I was uh, trying to see all the because especially as the show goes on it it started becoming very self aware that there was an audience like that's oh, yeah. something that you know is less so in season one but much much more aware in, was, in, in was later Lost seasons. Was like the first show where they would where they would put things in the show that. They knew that people would yes. freeze frame it. Yeah, it, like there's a like. Give me examples of that. So there's there's so there's an early reference to this, and actually the pilot, uh, which is where J.J. Abrams sort of got a sense that not that the show would go to certain extremes, but so uh, the polar bear. Yeah. There's a very brief shot where the polar bear is actually coming at the screen. Oh, so that was when earlier Max was like, "I don't want to watch it like this because it was like skipping." And you were like, I don't want it to be skipping. And when we originally oh no, I just I just feel problems. bad just because I know that this pilot cost fourteen million dollars to film. <laughs> I feel bad like not watching it in like quality. HD. I, I I rarely actually care about that at all. But like on this one thing, I'm kind of a stickler for like sure. okay. they literally put so much care into every shot and every piece mm-hmm. of this. Like I like experiencing good getting to see that. That's good to know. That's so when they, so when they shot this this polar bear sequence, uh, the original when they originally shot it uh, when. Uh, uh, the man, the the angry man with the cigarettes mm-hmm. and his poem, is uh, I like these creative yeah, ways I have to talk yeah, about the characters. Are <laughs> uh, we not saying his name? Is that the you level of, so- of spoiler? Didn't say his Let's name. not say it because like when now that I know that that bald guy is Locke, now I know that he was the same other Locke. That also, I have. we did say at the beginning of this yeah, that we, we would not she, spoil. She things. didn't pick up on. It. I didn't matter. pick it. I didn't get it. This is and good. And so as, as he's holding the gun. Uh, so in the in the show there is it they turn that into CG so it's like a CG uh, sort yeah. of uh, uh, polar bear that's coming at the screen but in the promotional uh, trailers they were showing before Lost premiered uh, it's like a puppet like they literally had like created like this uh, like polar bear puppet that they shot out of an yeah. air cannon at Sawyer damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sawyer. That was really hard. Anyway, so so well, they noted they noticed that people online were doing screen captures comparing the pilot to the television commercial, saying, "Look, they they changed this. This must mean something about uh-huh. the show." And that gave them a really early indication that they could start embedding things in the show that didn't mean anything to the average viewer. That people were, paying but that attention. people were going to pick up on, and it maybe didn't necessarily inform the story. But inform like the the story. Ah, of, of the story. So, so an example is like any time in the show. I that up. I'm so upset at myself. It's okay. And, I actually and, don't have any relations to the name, so I don't ah, have any. I know. We're um, good. So like any time in the show, a character is reading a book. The book sometimes has a connection or a subtext to like a connection to what's happening in Lost. But like people would go nuts. They would read the the book and they would scan every page mm-hmm. and they would be like, "There's this one line on page 30, and it could be the the secret of like the." I think there's, like, some element, but, like, they wouldn't show the book in a close-up shot, right? It would be, like, you'd have to, like, freeze frame it and zoom in, but they knew they were playing that game with the fans. That's interesting. I like that they were that self-aware and knew there could be some degree of fuckery. There was even... There were things where you could read, you know, pieces of of notes and pieces of information over characters' shoulders. Obviously, the Swan video is, is... like, like a huge one of, like, freeze framing. Yeah, there was also a point in the show where there... So a lot of the books were real books, but then there's a fake author that is referenced at some point, and then they hired an author to write that book, <laughs> which then people could go and order on Amazon that also carried themes about the show embedded with it. But it was a totally normal book. Like, it didn't actually reference the show, but it 
sort of talked about the show in a, wow. in a more broader... Like, they really took that stuff to an extreme. They rewarded the fans in paying attention in a way that even shows today, like, they when they try to do it, they do it very poorly, I think, because Lost was doing it as a reaction to the audience as opposed to, like, part of a viral marketing plan. Yeah. It's like, ha this is this is yeah. how we get people to care about a show. Well, they were just like, oh, my God, people care about the show. Either. Yeah, that was, but they were probably the first ones to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, the only time I ever cared enough about a show, like, that was reading color theory behind Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. And, like, that, like that's also, like, next level. Like, it's going to get even more and more, like, subliminal. Yeah, but in the same way that people were looking at the color of, like, Marie's outfit and, like, trying to decide mm-hmm. what was going to happen next on Breaking Bad, like, don't you look back and there was an element of silliness in that of, like, Breaking Bad wasn't ever about No, what yeah, was but, like, that was, next. like, the drug that I needed to, like, continue my interest in the show amongst friends and amongst the internet. Like, right. those were the articles that I was reading. I totally fell for it, even though, like, the way everything ended up shaking down with that show, like, looking back, I wouldn't have... Given a darn toot. It was fun. And it was fun. It was, it was, it was fun. Like, and even I like, if it's I like crazy that. and dumb, it was fun. And and it's too bad that you can't like just set your browser to like 2003 to experience it like as it happened because you got to experience that to to the nth degree with loss. Whereas yeah. it indulged you to do that. It backfired on the show a number of times uh, because of the way uh, things sort of resolved themselves. But all, like the journey of Lost, like. I really enjoyed how it ended, but for people that didn't enjoy it, if you sort of just kind of put that aside, the fun of Lost, I don't think I will ever experience another show like it. I would love to experience another show like it, but it seems super unlikely. They, it was like lightning in a bottle. They, they captured it, and when, it, when Lost was at its best, I, I failed to come up with a show that was as good as it was. Yeah, that's amazing. Um. So any other any other thoughts on on the pilot or things that you guys were were surprised or noticed? Um, the music, yeah. When we first when we when actually we... yeah beginners observation. I really do think that it was really well scored, and I think like that you notice it right. I do. It's yeah. like a, a character in its own, like yep. some might might say. But I think that that was they did a really good job with that. Not something you'd expect in a TV show pilot. Or just in general, well, music yeah, is I just mean, sort of like window the 14 dressing. Fourteen million or whatever. Like this, you, it this really... was a period. I think this was a period of TV where like TV was becoming like really wildly inventive. Like it was, it was right at the early point of like the, the great golden era. Like TV just shows. It was way early. Though. It was like way, way, way. It was early. very early. You, so you had um, you had a Battlestar Galactica. You had uh, Lost. You had a couple of shows that were doing like really crazy things with the score that was adding so much to the TV show. Um, like I, to this day, I, I, I listen to the, I will occasionally pull up the Lost soundtrack or the Battlestar Galactica soundtrack. Those are pretty much the only ones I listen to where I can pull it off and like, that something. listen to it as music. I mean, the, the moment they start, uh, traversing across the landscape and you hear the walking music, which is something you become, would you like, as soon as you hear that, you're like, oh yeah, this, this theme is played hundreds of times throughout like, the show. Like, does that bother you that you know that no, is the it's walking so song? No, enjo- it's so enjoyable okay. because then it plays and you're like, yeah, like, let's get some, let's, some exposition. Let's walk. Like, let's do this. I, 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 get, like, I get really excited. I'm That's a big, like, like buckle up moment for me because, like, in Lost, <laughs> it's, in Lost when the You kind of know shit's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, when the characters go somewhere, like, you, you, like, like, you know that that's, 
you're you're building up to something, right? Okay, because so usually you know. when that happens for me in a show, I'm like, oh great, they're just reusing this thing again, and like that's their shtick. No, it's like not the, the same. You, as you notice throughout Lost, like the, the when themes are reused, they're like they're reused for very deliberate reasons. Okay. And also, it makes Lost very interesting, even in today in 2014. Is Michael Giacchino who you know does he does a lot of Abrams work, um, and but does a lot of other scores. He does a lot of Pixar stuff. He did The Incredibles, and I think Ooh. he did Up uh, as well. Um, he scored every single episode of Lost. Like, wow! Even while he was exploding and becoming like a big name in Hollywood, he scored every single episode of Lost. So how how rare is that? It's incredibly rare because usually what happens is that you get they do the pilot just like you know like a. Uh, like a Hollywood director comes in, directs the pilot, and then they ape the style. Yeah, because like normally I've watched enough TV shows to like notice that like the pilot's music is completely different from how the rest of the series plays out. Yeah, because they usually just kind of pluck a little bit and like yeah. try and like be similar. Like you know, Fringe, which is you know another J.J. Abrams show, which Michael Giacchino did the in- the the first episode for, and then other composers took over after. My friend Chris Tilton did the music on fringe uh after the pilot and but on lost he did every single and you can tell like you like every episode has just incredible music and it really is a character just like the island and helps define lost in a way that other shows just don't get because they don't get the same amount of care no i mean i i really think like maybe it's because i don't always pay attention to it but you then when it's like really good you just remember how powerful music and sounds can be in like a film or in a tv show like then that's great, great great creepy sound in this episode is the um the voice on the radio saying like iteration one oh, one yeah. like i kind of forgot that really creeped me <laughs> out yeah that's like nightmare fodder for me like I, such that's a, scary but you don't want to you don't want to know what she's saying in french at that point you're just such like it little, cannot be good yeah such a little detail but it's they just why is that voice so like ominous and creepy it's because just, it's kind of like it's robotic. It's not supposed to have any inflection. It's not even supposed to be creepy. It's creepy in that there's nothing like human about it. Doesn't it doesn't seem right. that's what I think you. it doesn't seem intentionally creepy in the exactly. way that some robotic voices are, which is why it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, also yeah. that and because the iteration number is so high, you know that it's old. And I yeah. think like old discarded technology that's still being used has this element of uh like, you know, creepiness as far as like like ghost towns and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I love. I mean, that was uh, that was another nice little kind of note that I noticed in the pilot of like, I think they immediately went to the kind of trope of like, oh, we're just going to like use technology to get ourselves out of this situation, right? So we'll get the transponder mm-hmm. and we'll fix the transponder and we'll build the antenna. And like, it doesn't do anything for them. Like, I, I like that kind of. I think it tells you a lot of the DNA of like what kind of storytelling you're going to get of like. They're not like building a radio out of coconuts in this show. Like they're not going to like out gizmo themselves out of the uh, off the island. No, right? I mean they're taking a very human, like realistic approach to like technology and how it will or won't help them. I it, it just seems from the get go. Um, another great moment that I had kind of forgotten about is so when when Sawyer uh, shoots the polar bear and Kate gets mad that he has the gun. And he goes, "Yeah, I found it in like the air marshal's like uh, uh, ankle holster, holster, ankle holster." Yeah, I thought I might need it. Guess what? Turns out I did. I just <laughs> shot a bear. What a, what a, just a perfect lost line. And like, I also love that. Like, 
Sawyer is so dislikable in that throughout the episode. Like, he set him up do, as racist immediately. Yeah, he's my number one burn he, victim. He, <laughs> he does nothing to redeem himself, and he gets that one line, and you immediately he says it, and you're like, that guy's all right. Like, no, I, I still hate him. You do? But I, you, you kind of want him on your team. Like, well, no, you wouldn't feel so, good about I, it. It makes me want to see how he his character unfolds was him delivering that. He's doing the utilitarian talking. Like, yeah, you don't like me? Well, too bad, because I get stuff done. I just shot a bear. Well, right. it's, it just seems like for me watching the show, like it seems like he's very much like trying to position himself. Uh, maybe he is doing this, like changing who he once was. And now he's on this Island and he's like, well, I need to get myself into a position where I'm like the man who gets stuff done. And like, it just seems, it seems like an awkward outfit for him to be wearing, I guess. But that's just my impression. In the pilot, we do get to see two sides of him, both in like, Gun toting, bear shooting, uh, <laughs> no upper eyelids, man. Looking real scowly. Sta- staring from below his eyebrows at us uh, to when he's looking at his poem in a sadness cradle. You know, it's like we like. Uh, just, I want to go to my own sadness cradle. We all need our own sadness cradle. <laughs> but no, like. So we do see we see him being like horribly racist and everything, um, and immediately start like starting to fight, like picking on people, giving them like sarcastic nicknames and that sort of thing. And then up oh, as a result, you're immediately alone and left with your thoughts. And you know you got you you know your eyebrow eyebrows are like pinched upwards, <laughs> like a sad dog and that sort of thing. Yeah. No, I'm I am at least intrigued enough to see where his character goes. Um, let's see, anything else we should, we should ask Jana about, um, Jana, what do you think, like, like, so if you have to, so there's, there's 20 some episodes in the first season, what do you think some of the big kind of plot points they're going to, they're going to explore in the season will be? Um, well, if I had to guess, I would say that they do a lot of character development and we learn more about where these characters are coming from. And I think more like kind of like the thing that happens in every like movie or TV show like this, like stranded on an Island, like which teams form, like who sides with who, um, who gets what done, like, you know, kind of just like the pecking order establishes itself. Like I very much see that happening in the first season. Um, but I think the situations with like the, uh, weird animal, like the polar bear, like that needs to be looked into. And then the, tree stomping monster and pilot chomping monster or whatever that is like if it happened so if it happened like twice or three times in the pilot then i imagine that it would continue to be like a consistent occurrence so i'm thinking that that's also going to reveal itself more um but generally I really have no idea. I mean, so much has already happened that I can't imagine. I just imagine, even just from what you guys are talking about, this whole mythology thing, like I imagine it just being like so enormous that even for me to be like, yes, no, this and that is going to happen is like just a fool's errand. This this season is pretty focused. Like when we talk about mythology, like I wouldn't even... No, I wouldn't even hazard a guess that that that's you know six seasons worth of condensing it. Oh the goodness, mythology yeah. doesn't really begin till the second season. There there's certainly stuff that well, happens. They're setting in it the up obviously because yeah. there's weird shit happening. They set up a lot of questions like the, the, you know they don't really 
pay those off till 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 season two. Good. But there's... That means I'll keep watching. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. That's my other question. Like, are you gonna are you gonna keep watching? Are you gonna do you want to see the next episode? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think even just getting to discuss it has really given me like a homework assignment, like to watch it and be observant and not necessarily think like, oh, how can I you know impress these people and make them like think that I am making good guesses, but just like I can't wait to continue to experience my own experience watching it that's really cool to me cool well yeah i mean that's that's definitely part of the the, the thing i'm looking forward to um on the podcast is like i had the same experience of patrick of like this show was so fun for me because i got to talk about it online with people and follow along with it so i hope that we can give that experience to other people and get to watch it again and recreate some of that fun um and we'll have to we'll have to check in uh, with you uh, at the end of the season and uh, see what you thought and see what you think is going to uh, happen in season two. <laughs> cool, I love yeah. hearing – I it really – it actually, like, helps me get back into my mind. Are you, like, falling like, in love with it all over again, yeah, just watching I'm just, me? I'm just remembering the first time I saw the, the pilot and I was – and, and the, the questions and assumptions I made and how much fun that was. Because, you know, it's hard to go back and, and see it fresh, so that's part of the fun of it. Sure. It definitely got to a point when, when I was watching it where – I got very selective of who I would watch the show every week oh, with yeah. because uh, occasionally someone would be like, hey, you know, I want to I bring my friend with to come watch Lost with you guys. Like, well, do they watch the show? I was like, well, she's seen a couple do episodes. Do they watch the show? I was like, well, I'm not going to sit there and answer questions for some of them. Who's this? And I was like, I'm just not going to do it. I would have trial periods. I was wow, like, they can come for one Patrick. episode. <laughs> If, if they would have to court, if you. I got to answer like more than three questions that I don't consider legitimate <laughs> questions to be to be asked by someone who's like paying decent in the show, you don't get to come back next week. I wouldn't tell them that, but I would tell their friend, "We're busy next week." Like, wow, I just, it's yeah. Not I have this. I have this dilemma with uh, Game of Thrones, and I don't have uh, a, a like cable, so I can't watch it. So. Um, I'm, I'm always wind up like at my parents' house and I try and watch with my dad. And he asks that. My, my folks have a lot of questions when I watch Game of Thrones. I'll, they'll always He's be bad like, in Game yeah, of Thrones. Is, that, is this a good guy or a bad guy? <laughs> oh my like, God. That is literally such a complicated question, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, can't, I can't answer that for you. Uh, all right. Well, so next week um, we are going to watch uh, the second episode of Lost uh, Tabula Rasa. Um, and our episode uh, discussing that will be out on Monday. So uh, go ahead and uh, watch over next weekend. Um, I want to thank our guests, Jana Kinsman and Brent Nepper, for uh, coming on and talking about the pilot with us. Um, Jana Kinsman, you can find her work, uh, her amazing illustration work, and her work as a beekeeper in Chicago at JanaKinsman.com. You can follow her on Twitter at, at Jana Kinsman. Um, Brent Nepper, you can find at BrentNepper.com. Uh, Brent is a photographer who's uh, currently traveling across the U.S. by train and taking really cool pictures. Um, so you can follow along on that trip at RailPass.tumblr.com. Um, really, really recommend it. It's a it's an awesome blog. Thanks also to Dose One for our amazing uh, theme music uh, from the show. We'll play it again at the end. Um, you can check out his site, doseonesite.tumblr.com, for his ringtone of the month and more. Uh, thanks to Steve Fobwashed Kim for our artwork. Um, amazing uh, work from uh, a great uh, a great friend and um, contributor to the Giant Bomb forums. Uh, thanks to Simplecast and um, my friend John Buda for helping us set up our podcast and set up our hosting. Uh, and thanks to the Midroll and our friend Lex Friedman for getting us all set up with a sponsor and making this a legit show. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.
And for Jana Kinsman, I'm Brent Nepper. And for Brent Nepper, I'm Jana Kinsman. Brent, Brent and, and Jana, Jana on, on the podcast. podcast.